the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. The policy has no fine print. It's clear what's covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this pet store is protected by three. Joe, did you leave the snake tank open? Look, I don't want to point fingers, but yes. It's biting me. Sorry, sir. I'm calling my lawyer. They're going to need some help with this mess. Luckily, they have three. No fine print, just exceptional coverage. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three. No nonsense, just common sense. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series in the book of 1 Corinthians, the study of the first letter to Corinth. Today we are in chapter 14. As some see God as the mighty Coke machine in the sky, you press the right button to receive your favorite spiritual gift. Yet, a relationship with Jesus is so much more complete when we accept one simple truth from the Word. ReachingForRealLife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. There's a place to give at ReachingForRealLife.org. Today's message is called Spirit-Filled Speech. It's in the series called One... Sean starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Well, the beautiful thing about preaching through a book of the Bible, okay, we're preaching through 1 Corinthians. The series is called One. Paul's addressing a, this division. They found ways to divide over all these things, and he says there's one gospel, there's one church. I don't care if you call them different things, that's fine. It's one church, the church of Jesus Christ. Different types of churches impact different people, that's great, nothing wrong with that. But it's one church. It's one gospel, one church, one spirit. And we are all filled with the same spirit who manifests different gifts and opportunities and abilities in each of us. And then one mission. Go and make disciples. We like to say the mission, more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. That's what we're all about. One mission. But when you're teaching through a book of the Bible, what's interesting is you get to these passages that sometimes you just kind of blow over and you don't talk about a whole lot. We're going to look at one of those today. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In this passage, they talk about something called the gift of tongues. And every pastor, when they hear about this, and people say, hey, what are we going to do about the gift of tongues? Oh, oh. Because there have been weird things that have happened, Okay. There have been weird things that have happened in the context of the church. There have been people who operate in excesses and imbalance. And so I think a big mistake we make is we sometimes avoid these things. And I don't think you can do that. But I understand why. I grew up in Pentecostal church. I may have told you that before. I remember I brought a friend of mine to church. I was in junior high, and, you know, I wanted to reach my friends for Jesus. That's always when you're a kid, kind of hard. I think it's hard for any of us sometimes. We don't know how someone's going to receive it. And so, but I want to share with my friend. So this friend was spending the night with us, okay? And we went to church a lot because we were Pentecostal, right? That's what you did. Nothing else was legal. You couldn't do anything else. Okay, so, but you could go to church, and you could eat. 
So we were a hearty bunch. <laughs> Paul Galley is laughing. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> so, so I bring this friend to church, junior high, and, and we go to church, and man, you know, in our church, people were raising hands, they're speaking in tongues, all this stuff, but there's this message on the gospel. And my friend didn't do anything. He listened. He was there. didn't do anything. But I wanted him to receive Jesus because he's my friend. So later on that night, we are in my room, okay? And I ask him, well, what'd you think? You know, about the message. And, you know, well, it's okay. It's good. Well, have you ever accepted Jesus? No. Do you want to accept Jesus? He's like, sure, yeah. So I said, well, you want me, can I pray with you? Yes, and you know, I mean, I'm like, ooh. I'm ready to notch my Bible. Another one bites the dust, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, I was, I'm, I'm getting ready to pray for him. So we bow our heads, and I start to pray and ask him to repeat after me, and something's not right. Something is not right. I can feel it. I can sense it. And so I look up, and my friend is there with a smirk on his face, his hands in the air, making fun of speaking in tongues. Blah, 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 blah. And he, he didn't want to receive Jesus at all. He's making fun of me. So I punched him, and we went to bed. That was about it. <laughs> I mean, I had, to fin- I had to close the loop somehow. But it's like, it's, it's one of those things where while I was ticked at him because he was making fun of me, I, I got it. I knew. I knew. I, mean, I, I understood. There were some things that happened in our church that I just thought, man, is that really the way the Bible says it should happen? I don't know. I was a kid. I just went along. This is a scary topic. I have seen some serious mistakes. I've seen errors, imbalance. I've seen it called the, the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit. So if you don't speak in tongues, you, 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 you're not filled with the Spirit. I've seen it become a source of pride. You know, I, we were told that we're full gospel because we believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. And it meant all of them. We believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. And that means everybody else is kind of partial gospel or something, you know. We would pray for someone. I remember this. It was done to me. Pray for someone because, and you had to loosen the tongue up for someone to speak in tongues. And we would have, I remember them telling us to say like hallelujah real fast. Hallelujah, real fast to kind of get your tongue working so you could speak in tongues. Or, or see my tie. I, you, you're looking at me like, are you serious? Are you, making, are you making fun? I am not making fun. This is dead serious. I've heard see my bow tie to kind of change it up. Paul told me he heard shit about a Honda. I think that's made up. I think he is making that one up. That's my take. And I think it was done, to be honest with you, I think it was done with a good heart to just help someone take their mind off it and get past that initial thing. And so I've seen things that I thought maybe were imbalanced. I looked in the scripture and the should about a Honda thing wasn't in the scripture. And on a very serious note, some of the kind of abuses or the oddities or things we've seen in some of our circles have caused some people to completely avoid this topic whatsoever. You just don't talk about it. Don't talk about the Spirit. I think that's a horrible mistake. And in fact, it's why I wrote the book, A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life. Because I'm like, I want people to understand how real 
the Holy Spirit is in our lives. I want people to understand that this is something God has for us and that it's something we're supposed to walk in. And it is the greatest gift. It's actually the essence of our salvation, God's Spirit in us. I've told you before, the cross is not the point of our salvation. It is the essential doorway through which we must walk so we can be forgiven. But the point is God's Spirit filling us and inhabiting us. The fellowship with the Father is the point. Sin is the problem. So the cross is that essential doorway. You cannot be saved without Jesus Christ paying the penalty for our sins. But if you go, okay, my sins are forgiven, I'm done, good, I'll see you in heaven, you miss the whole point. The point is so I can have relationship with Father. And he does that by depositing his spirit in us. So today, because we're in 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to be talking about spirit-filled speech. In fact, there's a whole section of a pilgrim's guide that is addressed to that. So if you want to see more, you can go there to find out a little more. But we're going to look at what 1 Corinthians 14 teaches us. Now you remember, this idea of spiritual language came up in 1 Corinthians 12, right? Talk about the subject of tongues. We also saw it in Acts chapter 2, and if you've read Acts chapter 2. This idea of tongues and interpretation. 1 Corinthians 13, you remember, we talked about that last week. It's an incredible chapter of, on love. But it starts with this, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. His whole point is, I don't care what gift, I don't care what sacrifice, I don't care what you do, love trumps all. But they go right from 1 Corinthians 13 into 14, which says this, beginning at verse 1, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. He's telling us one of the things that happens for the person who speaks in a tongue. He speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands it. He utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. You see a theme? This whole idea of spiritual gifts, this whole idea of spiritual language, whatever it is, it's that the church may be built up. He goes on. He says, now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp don't give a distinct tone, how will anyone know what's played? Every musician said, hallelujah. If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or harp do not give a distinct tone, how will anyone know what's played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If you with your tongue, you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what's said? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if you do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. And then verse 12, he says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. This idea of the distinct gift of interpretation. The tongue is something people can't understand. The interpretation is given so they can. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit. 
but I'll pray with my mind also. I'll sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving for you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, Paul says. Nevertheless, in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in the tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. We've kind of got these two ideas of maturity and love as kind of these guidelines. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Spirit-Filled Speech. It's in the series on unity called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. Three O Two Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents a Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life: Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast. Series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or ReachingForRealLife.org. And now back to the message Spirit Filled Speech. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. And then he goes on and he talks this whole thing about orderly worship and how to have order in the context of worship. He's clearly addressing excess and misuse that was happening in the Corinthian church. Let me take a moment before we go much further and pray for us. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to hear your heart. Help us to receive what you want to say. You are so faithful and your word is so good. Help us to hear you. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's clearly some imbalance, some excess. And we know, we talked about this earlier, they were gravitating towards these public gifts and these spiritual language gifts, whether tongues, prophecy, any of them, were very compelling and interesting. And they were neglecting other things. And he's trying to give them some guidance. He's saying, remember, this is the point. What I find interesting is he gives, in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 here, two different expressions of the gift of tongues. There's the public gift with interpretation, but he kind of alludes to this idea of a private gift. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, remember, he said the different kind or various kinds of tongues. And so I think he's alluding to this public expression, which must have interpretation, but also this private idea. Actually, when you think about it, there's three types, because in Acts chapter 2, if you remember that passage of Scripture, these people were filled with the Spirit. It says they spoke in other tongues, and people from other countries came and heard the gospel in their own language. So these were human languages that the speaker didn't speak. 
And the people were able to understand what was being said. That's a third unique manifestation, or as Paul said in chapter 12, various kind of tongues. You know, I think that's what's alluded to in 1 Corinthians 13.1, tongues of men and angels. And what I want to suggest is that this idea of a private expression, what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians 14, may very well be something that is available to every believer. To every believer. Remember what he said in verse 5? I, I would like to see you all speak in tongues but more to prophesy. And he goes on to say, because prophecy is in a language that can be understood and it builds up the whole church. But he did make that expression that there might be something there. Now, this is one where I I think, you know, I heard an entire week-long series of meetings when I was a kid. A guy preached on this issue of tongues and his whole, he quoted 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 5, every night. I would that you all speak in tongues. Now, he was an evangelist. I was in Southern California at the time, but this guy's really Southern, okay? And nothing, I mean, it's just, you know, it works better when it's Southern. You know, I would that you all speak in tongues. I mean, right now, I'm like, oh, well, I'm... And he, (laughs) I want to bring you into the moment. I want you to be there with me. I would that you all speak in tongues. And then he's taught for five nights, on how, man, if you didn't speak in tongues, you, you, know, you could never have all that God had for you. You could miss out on the, all the things of the Spirit. In fact, it, he even came close to attaching it to our salvation, which right away I thought, wait a minute, that's not what the Scripture says. But the part that was worst about the whole thing was that he never finished the verse. Like in five nights, he literally never finished the verse. I kept waiting for him to finish the verse. I'm like, you know there's more to the verse. Because it goes on to say, but rather that you prophesy, because the one who prophesies can build up the body. And I also knew that 1 Corinthians 12, 29-31 said, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gift of healings, do all speak with tongues? And the obvious answer to those questions is no. Do all interpret, earnestly desire the higher gifts? I'll show you a more excellent way. But yet, so I, 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 I hesitate to ever say, I think everybody has to speak tongues. I don't believe that. And yet, I think in 1 Corinthians 14, and I want you to hear this, because we avoid these topics, and I don't think we should, and our answer should be, our our response should be, God, what are you trying to say to us in this? What do you want us to understand? I want to suggest that he's presenting something that might be available to every one of us, and remember, he specifically lists some benefits of this private prayer language. He says the person who speaks in a tongue talks to God in a language that Only God understands. He speaks mysteries. He says he builds himself up. It reminds me of Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. You remember Paul's talking about about prayer. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the mind of the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I'm not saying that Paul's in Romans 8 talking about tongues. I'm just saying it's strikingly similar. This idea of the Spirit interceding for us. And I want to suggest if we just write these things off, we may be missing one of the great gifts of our prayer life. Paul says he wants everyone to speak in tongues, but rather that they prophesy. And again, we're not talking about the office of the prophet. I don't want to get into all of that. I want to suggest there's something that he's presenting and saying, I want you to, to consider this. 
And this really speaks to the whole purpose of spiritual gifts, building up the believer, building up the body, and redeeming the world. And so what I want to say to us, here's a big idea for this morning, because a lot of us come from different church backgrounds, and we have kind of written this thing off, and like, this, this doesn't apply to me, I don't need to think about this. It's in the Bible. I think it's a bad policy. So here's the main point, write it down. Spirit-filled believers should desire every spiritual gift that God desires to give. Let me say that again. Spirit-filled believers should desire every spiritual gift that God desires to give. You think that's a good idea? Seven, eight of you, yes, excellent. The rest are like, ooh, that sounds like a door to weirdness to me. I don't know that I want to go through that door. I just really think this is something we should stop and, and take a look at because we say this is the eternal word of God. We say that the scripture is timeless, that God gave it for us, that it is his word, inspired, God-breathed, spirit-protected, even the process of canonization, protected and guided by the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe. And then we take entire passages that make us uncomfortable or that someone kind of applied kind of in an odd way, and we go, well, I don't need to deal with those. I think that's a, a bad habit. And I don't, I, I don't think it's helpful to us. I think it hurts us spiritually. I think spirit-filled believers should desire every spiritual gift that God desires to give. I don't think there's any kind of easy formulas or neat package, but I think this is an approach we should take to the Scripture. It's interesting, 1 Corinthians 12, 21. Now remember, this is either side. These are the bookends of 1 Corinthians 13. So in the middle is 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Note that word. And then in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 14, after chapter 13, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. See, I think this is one of the keys. I think this is where some of us missed it. Because he says we're to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, not pursue spiritual gifts. We're to pursue love. And, and I think of some of the excesses and abuses and the things that have caused us to shy away from these things, and I'm like, if we would have pursued love and yet desired the, whatever gift God wants to give, it might have changed our whole approach. It might have put us in a different place. Pursue love, desire. We're never told to pursue the gifts or any particular gift. We're told to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I think that's a very important guideline as we discuss this. Now, let me make a couple of quick points this morning. First, do not let the misuse of some keep you from walking in the gifts that God has for you. Do not let the misuse of some keep you from walking in the gifts God has for you. Have you ever known someone who, when you kind of Explain you're a Christian or you mention Jesus. Like, oh, I don't want any of that because I was part of a church and they were mean and they did this, so I don't want any part of Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus came down and did that to you? No, no, it was this pastor or it was this Sunday school teacher. No, no, it was this person in a church. So Jesus didn't do it. No, Jesus didn't, but they did. Okay, so you don't want to talk about Jesus because what they did? And we do it all the time. Don't let the abuse, the misuse, you know, that'd be like throwing out Christianity because the Crusades were kind of a bad idea. It would be like saying all of Christianity is no, not valid at all. Nope, got to throw it out. Or 
You know, there have been cults that have come out of certain branches of Christianity and they got off track and they went, well, Christianity is not valid. I'm sorry. That we obviously recognize we don't believe that or we wouldn't be here today. And yet sometimes with certain parts of the scripture, we do that. Don't let the misuse of some keep you from walking in whatever gift God has for you. I don't want to avoid what I will call the messy ones. Because I've got to tell you, this whole thing of following the Spirit, and this is where so much of the best of our spiritual life is found, in listening for the voice of the Spirit, in following the voice of the Spirit, in letting Him speak and lead. And you've got to understand, you're like, people look at me and they think I'm weird if I do that. Well, one, you kind of are a little weird if you do that. I'm not saying that to insult you. <laughs> I'm a little weird when I do it. And let me tell you why. Because when you're following the Spirit, you're following a hand that they can't see. You're listening to a voice that they can't hear. Don't be surprised when you say, I think the Lord told me to do this, and it's exactly the opposite of what they would do. In fact, if you're honest, it's exactly the opposite of what you would do. But you know it's what the Lord's asking you to do. Don't expect your friends and family members to go, oh, that makes perfect sense, well done. If they care about you at all, you know, there's some people might go... Okay, that seems a little out there. Okay, so you, you heard the voice of God. What did he sound like? Was it Morgan Freeman? As I would have had, you know. I, or maybe you're a purist, James Earl Jones. I don't know. But we, we say these things. We throw this vernacular around and we believe it. We believe God speaks. He prompts us. He, he leads us. I've actually never heard an audible voice. I've told you that. But I've heard the voice of the Lord a lot, leading, prompting, guiding. I've never heard an audible voice. Can God speak in an audible voice? Sure. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He can create the world. He can probably talk. But the fact that he has kind of spoken to my spirit and led me, and I knew his direction, or spoken through the word of God, or spoken in ways that are, are unusual and surprising sometimes. This is something that you have to expect people to kind of just go, okay. Don't let the fact that these are messed, because that's, that's what following the Spirit, that's what the key to the deeper life is, listening for His voice and following Him. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.